What's up, champs? Welcome to the final episode of the 2022 season of Short Shifts, at least featuring the Blenwis combination you know and love. My name is Ben Burnett. I am the Ben portion of Blenwis. Joining me, as always, the Lewis portion of Blenwis, Lewis Ezekiel. Lewis, my pal, my friend, welcome to the season freaking finale. So exciting to have you with me. Yeah, you know, I think what was really great is that this is uh, our first time making it through like a whole sort of quasi-regular season. Oh. It was a little bit cursed. Wow. But uh, <laughs> not not as bad as our previous two. So uh, big plus for that. I, I, I forgot like that about very that. much. Yeah, that yeah. did not occur to me whatsoever. I also got a super pep talk as I was heading down to the office to record. Uh, my five-year-old said, uh, do your best. I'm proud of you. It was very sweet. <laughs> what? Oh, my Lord. What a precious angel. I know. He's kind of a wild child, but uh, that was like a moment of uh, true gentility. Ah, well, I my recommendation to you as a childless man uh, is to write that down, Lewis, because it seems like a memory that would be worth, <laughs> <laughs> worth hanging on to. Uh, welcome to Short Shifts, everyone who is listening. Tonight, we are going to change things up a little bit, have a little bit of fun on the season finale. We have solicited mailbag questions from patrons on the Discord group, as well as uh, Twitter followers. So we are going to go through as many questions as we can. Some of these are fantasy related. Some are not. We are going to start on the not so fantasy related side because Lewis, tonight there appears to be some sort of game or match that people care about in the States or something. And our pal Victor is asking, will Lewis be crying or gloating by recording time? Uh, it's a great place to start because I don't even understand the question. Uh, well, he's referring to the Frozen Four, which is mm. the college hockey uh, Final Four. So heading, you know, playing in to get to the championship game. Unfortunately, the uh, talent-loaded Michigan Wolverines uh, were eliminated in overtime by Denver. Uh, you can't turn the puck over in your own zone during overtime. It's just a bad idea. Uh, so a little bit of crying, but uh, I, I was telling folks on the on the Discord, you know, uh, I, I've been. I, I can't be hurt too much by Michigan losing games in overtime in the CCHA playoffs because uh, I have been exposed to that particular poison enough times to be pretty much immune to it. Fantasy still hurts, uh, but uh, Michigan losing at hockey in brutal fashion, that's uh, that's old hat for me. I'm happy to hear it for you, buddy. Sounds like you're ready for... Um, you're ready to get out of the season of, of disappointment and, and discontent, <laughs> as many of us are who did not win our fantasy championships this year. Well, you know, there's a lot more of us who don't win the championship than do. So uh, if we ever rise up together, we can take down the champions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Lewis, the format that we decided on off mic was that we would take turns picking from the list of questions. I have chosen Victor's question to start. What question did you want to move to next? All right, I want to take uh, Paul Kent's question. Starting Monday for two weeks, would you rather have Dougie Hamilton or Noah Dobson in standard Yahoo head-to-head league cats? Uh, to give just a little bit of context for the question, uh, I looked it up, and over those two weeks, there's a one-game difference. Dobson will get an extra game over Hamilton. Who do you prefer, Dobson or Dougie? Kind of depressing to say that I think I would prefer Dobson at this point. I mean, 
Wow, I, I didn't I didn't expect to say that uh, at any point during the season, but here we are. Uh, you know, two weeks left or a week and a half left in the fantasy season, and it's hard to look at Dougie as being anything short of kind of a massive disappointment. Um, obviously, I, I, I do I do like his peripherals still. I think he's a player who is not useless. I'm not dropping him in most cases, but. Noah Dobson has had a fantastic season, is putting up decent peripherals himself, and seems to be putting up roughly the same amount of points. So give me Noah Dobson for that extra game at the very least. Yeah, that's that's where I went as well. Um, you know, as I told Kent, uh, Paul, sorry, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty bearish on the offensive upside of a New Jersey team that doesn't have uh, Jack Hughes, uh, and they're also playing one fewer game. You know, Dougie has the edge in hits, but I would say everything else, you know, is, is at best a coin flip and at worst advantage Dobson, in my opinion. So yeah, I, uh, I go Dobson as well. All right. Well, let's move to the next question then. And this one comes from our pal, Kevin H, the commissioner of the Cacupful, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. And Kevin wants to know, do you have a fantasy bucket list such as rostering a particular player or pulling a great upset or comeback. Lewis, does anything jump to mind on this for you? Well, I guess for just about as long as I've been playing fantasy hockey, I kind of started during uh, kind of the, the the downswing of the Red Wings. I would just love to have, you know, one or two really great Red Wings on my fantasy team and have my uh, personal rooting interests and my... Um, uh, my fantasy rooting interest kind of aligned for a change because that hasn't happened very often. I actually resisted starting to play fantasy hockey the first year that my friends did a league. I was like, well, if I do that, then I'm going to become a hockey mercenary. I'm not going to be a Red Wings fan anymore. I'm just going to be rooting for whoever's on my team because I'm very competitive. And of course, that is more or less what's happened as things have gone on. But uh, in part, you know, because there just weren't a lot of interesting fantasy assets for the Red Wings. So I love to see them on the upswing. I tried to draft Verona everywhere, but I had to drop him in a lot of places. Uh, I would love to have some Red Wings, and I'd love to go back in time and play fantasy hockey at a time where I could have drafted uh, my all-time favorite player, Dominic Hoshik. I think that would be, you know, it's not a realistic bucket list thing because I can't actually do it, but I feel like that would be extremely fun for fantasy purposes. Yeah, the uh, Red Wings are really larking a top uh, top tier superstar on there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I actually when I got this question, I I am not trying to brag, Lewis, but I kind of feel like I fit, just such a ridiculous thing to brag about. Uh, but like, I feel like I've done most of the things that I would have that I would want on my list. Like, I was able to draft Connor McDavid as a rookie in a keeper league so it's like i got him for that league folded last year or this year so i got you know six years of Connor mcdavid for free um i was uh i destroyed elon dubrovsky in the semifinals of the cupful would have been nice to finish off and win the top tier so i guess that that one is that one remains obviously not going to do it this year we'll have to fight my way back up to tier one presuming that i i get relegated here um I think that those are the major ones, though. I mean, I had Henrik Lundqvist on my team. He was my favorite goalie, like favorite player of all time. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel like at this point, I'm I've, I've accomplished most of the things that I would have wanted to in in fantasy hockey, and uh, 
yeah, I guess it would be nice to win more money. That would that would be that'd be <laughs> chill, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's got to be a good feeling to have many of your fantasy goals accomplished. Um, yeah, I guess I guess I gotta I gotta sneak one in here, a shameful one. Uh, I have a frequent attendee to the tier one playoffs, but I have never won a round in oh, the tier yeah. one playoffs. Uh, so I would love to break that little uh, bugaboo. This, I, you know, I've, I, I, I am the Toronto Maple Leafs of tier one, uh, frequent playoffs goer, rare playoff uh, victor. So uh, it's especially painful this year because uh, I, at least as of right now, I had the highest score in Cupful in my meaningless uh, fifth place match. So uh, I could be romper stompering good old Elon by 50 points if I had managed to uh, make it through, but obviously I didn't. So I don't get to I don't get to have that enjoyment. Imagine if you and I had in back to back seasons and did Elon's Cupful dreams. That would have been fun. Tasty. Yeah. All right, uh, take us to the next queue. All right, so they wanted us to weigh in on a question that has been uh, asked to Elon and Brian on the Mega Show, uh, the debate of Hughes versus Robinson for next year, talking about Jack Hughes, of course, uh, and where do you fall in terms of who you like in this uh, debate between these two young uh, future stars or current stars. Yeah, I think they both earned current star status at this point. Um, I will note that we got we got a little bit of heat in the patron only Discord group for suggesting uh, potential caution on Jack Hughes just because we've seen several injuries uh, through the first three years of his career. Obviously, he did play a full season last year uh, in the or the you know the the in the as COVID short season as full as can be. Um, but this year, obviously two injuries that have knocked him out for a fair amount of time. I think I would pick Jack Hughes though, just because as folks pointed out in the group, uh, the injuries didn't appear to be those that are likely repeatable. Um, and I guess it just really comes down to the fact that Hughes looks like he is already approaching a 100 point pace whereas Robertson as good as he has been on the full season has slowed down a little bit uh over the past half like the second half of the year so I think that Hughes seemed to be building his case as a as a fantasy superstar whereas Robertson has sort of plateaued a little bit here over the last 30 games or so yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Again, I know this is not as exciting of podcasting when we are in agreement with each other, but I have to, I have to go with Hughes too. And, and for similar reasons, I feel like, uh, you know, Hughes has some shiny toys along the, the wings that he can play with for a long time. And it seems like, uh, Robertson's success, while excellent, has been at least in part, uh, due to some really excellent play, uh, from Joe Pavelski. But how long is he going to be able to keep that up? Um, and, you know, uh, obviously Rupe Hintz has been great, uh, on the other side as well for that top line for Dallas, but, uh, you know, it, it, he is a real Band-Aid boy, uh, even if, even if Hughes maybe doesn't deserve that title. And to be fair, we did say we would take Hughes in the second round, which I think is the right spot for him. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, my feeling is that Hughes is, is the one to pick between those two. Uh, next year could potentially be a coin flip between which does, you know, has more success, but it seems like, uh, Hughes moving forward has kind of a more sustainable situation, uh, compared to Robertson, in my opinion. Yeah. Did, did they, they re-signed Pavelski for next year though. Yeah. 
I believe that's true. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm happy to hear that because uh, I think that 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 line with Hints and and Pavelski and Robertson is is incredible. Um, I mean, in fairness to Hints, a player who yeah has has really struggled through injuries this year has been healthier than Robertson. Um, but yeah, I no disrespect to J Rob. I think uh, I just think Hughes deserves a little bit more credit. Uh, and yeah, I w- I would be drafting him especially for. You know, just to see if we see another big jump next year. I could see either of them jumping up. It's just that Hughes has had better results this year when he's been able to be healthy. Yeah, I don't I don't think I would take Robertson in the second round necessarily where I feel like Hughes belongs. All right, Lewis, this is going to be a, uh, a really deep question. And, and it's uh, it comes from our pal Kevin, co-mish of the Cupful. Lewis, I'm going to ask it to you straight. Do you have a pet? Yes. Good question. <laughs> uh, and I know that this was asked basically so that we could just get like a million dog and cat pictures oh my in God. Discord. And I love, I loved <laughs> which, which every was a delight. pick. Yeah, they were all wonderful. There's no doubt. So, yes. Uh, the answer is yes. We have, uh, we have a couple cats. Um, they are not my favorite at the moment, unfortunately. They're kind of driving me bananas. Um, but we're heading into spring, so they're going outside more, so they're driving me slightly less crazy. Um, but my wife really likes these uh, brown tabbies, and I feel like they don't have the greatest demeanor. Uh, and so they both are, are prone to you know enjoy being petted and then bite you inexplicably. But I guess that's just cat stuff. I almost cursed. I'm sorry, Brian. Um uh, <laughs> I like that we're apologizing, not even when we do curse, but just at the mirror, it crossed your mind. You have to apologize oh, so to Brian. Close. <laughs> um, but uh, our, our our youngest, uh, who's just turned two, uh, really loves dogs. So there may be a dog somewhere in the future, uh, although we like not having to fence our yard because we've got uh, neighbors that our kids play with and they can just kind of run back and forth pretty freely. And we, we enjoy that. So maybe a dog in the future. Obviously, the Discord will be the first to know uh, if such a thing happens. I want to. I want you to get a dog. I want all of my friends to have dogs. I just don't want to have a dog myself because I value being able to leave <laughs> my apartment whenever I want and not worry about it. Um, yeah, maybe when the older boys are uh, are going to be able to like legitimately contribute to taking care of him, I feel like that's a that's a good time to do it when it's yes. not just going to be dropped in my lap as like dad responsibilities. Yeah. That would be cool. A new daily chore or four. Um, I also have one beautiful cat, uh, name of Wheezy Frankie Babies. Uh, I adore him and he is one of the cats who, uh, loves being rubbed on his belly and he loves being petted without wanting to fight you. So I am, I'm more than uh, happy to truly blessed to spend every day that I work from home, just hanging out with the guy. He's an extremely cuddly boy and, uh, he recently went through, uh, he recently had surgery to remove a couple of bladder stones, uh, which was stressful and also stupidly expensive. But uh, it's been, I guess, just over two weeks now, and he's recovering marvelously. So, Kevin, thank you for letting me talk about my favorite kitty in the world, Mr. Boy. Well, it's very generous of you, I think. Anybody who is willing to... Uh 
spend spend on uh, on keeping their pets healthy. I think that's a that's a good deed that the, should be rewarded. I mean, the thing about pets though is like it's such a trap because like you could give me any amount of money, like ask me for any amount of money, and like and this will keep your cat alive, and I would have to give it to you. Know what I mean? Like hook it up I, to these machines, right? Because like, it's it's like it, its fate is completely in your hands. You don't have to face yeah, any of those types like I'm of gonna decisions. Look at this cat life. and be like, listen, bud. Like I don't want to pull that plug. I don't feel Sorry, like bud. spending a thousand dollars so you're gonna die now like oh, it's, yeah i can't i can't imagine doing it but uh that's that's what it comes down to all right well let's jump to another question before we get too sad here uh and we'll talk about edward's question how much trash talk goes down between you two when usa faces canada in oh. international events lewis are people ready for the answer to this question i don't think they'll be able to handle how how hot it gets in our chats when when canada oh remember the recent olympics when we uh didn't mention <laughs> the Olympics to each other at all. Yeah, I, I don't know if we we like we do trash talk as a bit sometimes. I feel like, but otherwise, yeah. it's like, yeah, I, I feel like our most of the sports we talk about are just like the cupful. Yeah, and and even then, I feel like just both of our sort of personalities and like psychological makeups, like we are, we are folks who are don't get offended easily but i think we also sort of assume that we could offend the other really easily <laughs> uh, so some of these conversations that we have are like uh you know we're like walking around on eggshells and nobody would take any offense but it's just it's just a, a quirk of both of us that we have come to recognize as we have worked together now for mm -hmm. for three years uh and you mm -hmm. know doing various various hockey related things and it just yeah, it's an interesting quirk of our relationship is that neither of us gets offended easily, but we both think we could offend the other with yes. ease. So, like, especially when these matches are going on between the two of us, like, sometimes someone will mention it, but we both sort of know that the other is so competitive and wants to win so bad <laughs> that it's like, I don't know if I even really want to talk about this right now. It's, it can be even a little uncomfortable. With Elon, it's easy just because he, you know, will not hesitate to dish it out and I feel confident that he can take it. And, you know, the same is true for you, I guess. But I, I, I because we have this working relationship, I'm, I'm more hesitant to, to delve into those trash talking waters. You are, you're describing my feelings about it exactly. And it's so funny to hear because, yeah, I don't think for whatever reason, it's just like we're very gentle with each other and our, <laughs> each other's feelings. So it's like if we're doing really well in Kakupful one week, it's like, yeah, we'll talk about that. But if we're like crushing each other, it's like I'm going to take that into the DMs. Like I don't want to I don't want to pop that in the group chat and make a like rub it in Lewis's face or whatever. And it's uh... yeah, the best time to really discuss <laughs> it on is when the two of us are having similar outcomes. Like if we're both getting our butts kicked, we can like commiserate <laughs> together. And if we're both crushing our opponent, we can be happy together but if there's if there's a you know one of us is up and one of us is down it's like ooh, a little too i don't know how the, i don't know how he's feeling right now mm -hmm. yeah i don't i don't know why we're both i don't know why we're both like that maybe we should go to uh to podcast co-host therapy couples therapy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh all right uh i'm gonna go to ryan's question next and ryan wants to know Thoughts on dropping the player you named your team after? Is it always bad karma? Is it okay if you rename your team? Or if you are you not afraid of angering the fantasy hockey gods and therefore it's totally fine? Uh, Lewis, I'm loving the chance to throw this question to you because you are... 
I would describe you as very particular with the way that you name your teams. Like you have a theme you go to every year or you have a theme that you incorporate, it seems like every year. And you also stick with your team name, I think, for the most part through through the entire season. Yeah. uh, So this year I went all Dune theme. Doom is my is my favorite book. Uh, I don't know if I said Doom or Dune. Dune with an N. Book of is this? Oh my God! Stop this! Don't crampy bit. You actually left me speechless for a moment. I was so annoyed with you. Did did (laughs) Timothy Chalamet write the book? Or yeah, yep, yeah. He's that's the main character's name. Actually, it's a weird coincidence. Um. So. and and I am of the opinion that you don't need to have the player even on your team at all in order to name your team after them. So my couple team was Baron Vladimir Larkin, and I did not have Larkin on any of my teams. Um, but I just liked the I liked the Larkin and Harkonnen connection so much that I had to include it. Um, I did actually towards the end of the season when when UC Saros was just going totally cuckoo bananas and winning me matches i thought about changing my team's name to something like uc world or something um but ultimately decided not to and maybe i should have maybe that would have heartened him to keep him going uh and not have that kind of swoon he had over the last couple weeks um but that was the only time i even kind of considered changing the name but i like keeping the name because especially like in tier one you have it in the auction draft and like it's known and i feel like once you change it up it you know change it up too many times it can become confusing i suppose so yeah i like to i like to stick with it and i like fan tracks because you can really have long names and there's like more opportunity for multiplayer name puns as you uh develop your team name but yeah ice melange uh baron vladimir larkinen and what was the other one uh oh the grice must flow so those are my dune uh, base team names yeah lewis i'm gonna i'm just gonna come right out and say it your team names are annoying <laughs> 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 mainly because i see them and i'm like what how does how do i pronounce this and then i uh it's just there and i'm just never never reading dune enough to understand the reference and knowing that i should know the reference and that feeling of like you know what i mean that's how i feel every time brian comes into our group chat and has like these really obscure like song titles for Mm. uh for episode names and i'm like that's probably really cool and i you know i love that six people will get it and i'm sure they'll love it more than anything and that's kind of how my names are too so i guess Mm -hmm. i shouldn't criticize them too much yeah it's it's like it's it's like a deep track for the for the devotees yeah and like i'm not saying like every time i see your fantasy team name that i'm like ah lewis but it's like (laughs) over the course of the season i'll be like what even is guess guess it like what what is this uh so yes i i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna drop that take first of all um I am big on renaming your team if uh, if you're in a drought. I'm also big on changing your team name if you do trade the player that you're named after. I also really like naming it after players that are on your team. I don't think it's necessarily required, um, but I will say that I really don't like having like the dude wears Makar type name, like the or like the the hassle Hoff. Don't hassle the Hoff or uh every day I'm Buffalin. Like I don't like doing the like retread names. Uh I like having my own pun that I made up and um yeah, th- those are kind of my uh, how I look at it. I don't think it's that big of a deal to change your name, but I'm much less likely to do it I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. You know what I mean? I'm not going to change my team name like if I still have the player and the team is rocking it. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you just shaded like 40 cuckupful teams, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, the, the, they're all wonderful people, I'm sure. I just don't, I don't name my team the same way as them. Come, come, to, come to us at, at Short Shifts KK <laughs> for all of your custom team no, pun names. No, I am not volunteering. No, I mean, you, you could do it, obviously, but I'm, I'm not volunteering for that. All right. I think this question segues nicely into our question from Shams, who asks... About fantasy taboos, do you have any players that have put up rosterable performances, but you just don't want to touch? You have a bad fantasy experience with them. You're not a fan of the player, etc. Um, I definitely, I think maybe this was the case for me more so in the past, but certainly in the cupful. I think uh, if you start taking into account, uh, you know, your personal feelings about a player, you're you're getting yourself into dangerous territory. I am in the Elon school of. Uh, you know, it, it has no effect. The player doesn't know that I've rostered them. It's not uh, an endorsement of their views. I'll have Tony D'Angelo up and down my lineups uh, if I can get them for cheap. Ew. And yeah, well, you know, I, I can live with I can live with myself with. Uh, I, uh, listen, with a, I'm putting not, a championship up there. I, I mean, I'm not saying that you uh, like. I'm not saying like that's disgusting that you could roster Tony D'Angelo so much as I'm saying you really want a team that is all Tony D'Angelo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll be they'll be beating the crap out of each other in no time. That is a spicy meatball. Oof. How about you? Fantasy taboos? Any players that you refuse to play? Uh, I don't think. Yeah, I'm not as hardline about it as uh, I think I, I I think that some folks are. I wouldn't roster Tony D'Angelo mainly because like he doesn't. Like, here's my thing. If I can get a guy for free who's going to be good on my team, whatever, I'll throw him in there. But if it's like I'm in the second round or I'm in like whatever round nine and I'm picking between four defensemen and Tony D'Angelo is like in that tier, maybe even like I think the best of the tier, but there's a guy like a half a point per game behind him, I might just grab that guy just to make my enjoyment of the season, to enjoy it a little bit more. Like, I just life is short i don't want to just be like sitting there cheering for like all of the guys i hate you know what i mean don't have to feel like you're caping for a scumbag just because it's going to help you win your your fantasy uh yeah and i don't think that's like a morally like superior way of play like i don't think anything that any like i agree with like i think essentially what you and elon are saying which is like it's not like if there's a moral uh goodness in rostering or not rostering a a guy in a computer game um but yeah just for my own personal enjoyment of the pastime i tend to avoid um i don't reach for guys that i don't like sure you're not going to lose any extra sleep any more than you would otherwise you know waiting for that uh 3am uh changeover on you or 4am i guess for you with your crazy time zone my crazy crazy atlantic time zone uh lewis we are going to take a break when we come back it will be five minutes later in my crazy time zone and uh yeah you're listening to short shifts all right ben well as long as we are paused here i would like to take some time to talk to our friends and listeners about HelloFresh. Uh, with HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You can get fresh seasonal produce and easy-to-make recipes delivered right to your door every week. Uh, the ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in under that week, so they always arrive fresh, all without a trip to the grocery store or the farmer's market. You're not going to have 
too much food. You're not going to have too little food. It's all greatly portioned. You know, you can, you can pick and choose from a variety of great options. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we have used HelloFresh for a long time. We had some really tasty, uh, burgers today. Uh, you know, they have all kinds of, uh, interesting varieties. You pick up tricks of the trade along the way. Great sauces to make that you can put with everything. It's, you know, uh, it's a, it's educational for you too. Uh, so, uh, we have a, a, a deal for you. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash KeepingK16 and use code KeepingK16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. I feel like they keep changing that code up on us. So uh, one more time, that is HelloFresh.com slash KeepingK16 and use code KeepingK16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. This is a great deal for HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Welcome back to, I shouldn't say short shifts, because this is very clearly going to be a rather long shift. Uh, Lewis, I guess it's my question next. And uh, I'm going to go with the, um, I'm going to take a question that you said you were a little bit uh, hesitant to answer earlier. I'm curious to get to how you're feeling about this. This comes from our tier one competitor, Jordan. Uh, Jordan wants to know, with all the crazy breakouts this season, he lists Kadri, Kreider, Forsberg, Yossi. Feels like he could list 20 players. Who do we think is set to repeat that increased production next year? All right, well, we've already talked about one of them. I think Jack Hughes is definitely a good candidate to uh, be able to repeat some of what he put together. Um, I think Kyle Connor is another guy that I think uh, we'll talk about a little bit later with a question from Patty, but he seems to really have ascended to uh, high-level goal scorer status, like even more than he did the year before. Um, some of them, you know, I think are, are big question marks, right? We don't know where Kadri's going to sign. Uh, we don't know where Forsberg's going to sign. If he doesn't sign in Nashville, can guys like Yossi and Duchesne uh, do the kind of things that they did this season now that it seems like Nashville has finally figured out their power play a little bit. So I'm definitely kind of up in the air about some of these, um, but I feel pretty safe at least about uh, about Connor and about Hughes. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, and I, I feel like I might even be able to come up with uh, one or two more while while you're covering your side of things. So the the thing about this list is that when I look at it, I actually, like these breakouts are so... Um, seem to be relatively shooting percentage driven in a way that we've seen those types of breakouts uh, lead to fall offs in the in the subsequent year. So, like a guy like Kreider, I think is a very obvious fall off candidate. The question is more so like how far does he fall off? Like, I just don't see him scoring forty percent on the power play again, as Brian has said sure. time and time again. And I just don't see him putting up fifty goals. But could he put up thirty five to forty goals with like a seventy point season and like you know have the second best year of his career? Absolutely. So like I, I think in that sense, like a guy like Kreider can be repeatable. Uh, I worry about a, a player like Yossi because he's a defenseman and we see defensive scoring being a little bit less repeatable. And I mm -hmm. worry about Nazem Kadri quite a bit, in fact, because we just don't know where he'll be. So if I have Kadri on my team, I'm not saying like go and panic trade him right now. But if you can get like 90 to 100 point player value back for Kadri before oh, yeah. he winds up getting like signing with a different team, because honestly, if I'm Nazem Kadri's agent, 
You know, a player <laughs> in his 30s putting up a point per game season for the first time in his career. Go get your money. Like you yeah. just signed a sweetheart deal uh, or you're get, just finally getting out of the sweetheart deal you signed uh, four or five years ago. Go get paid on, you know, a, t- a mid-level team. You, you might not win a cup in your career, but you will have a lot of money to show for it. I wonder, too, if that's something we want to watch out for, for guys like Kadri or Forsberg who are in these contract years. We know that that can be a significant motivator for players to really make sure that they're in good shape from the season start and, and uh, keep that um, keep that competitiveness going all season long. Like it helps. I'm not you know, I'm not a sports psychologist or anything, but, uh, you know, we've certainly seen people have these great breakouts in those uh, in those contract years. Sure. I think Forsberg is the is an interesting one, I guess, because if he leaves Nashville, there's I'd say like an equal chance he winds up on a team that's just as good or, um, better. or uh, yes, exactly. Like 50 50 if it if it gets better or worse. Um, but like a player who always struggles with injuries. Right. And and Kadri and Kreider are both guys who health has has really been on their side for the most part this year. Uh, obviously, Kadri has, has been injured lately, but that's the other the the sort of Damocles hanging over these guys is just whether they can whether they can stay healthy again for a second straight season. Outstanding reference. I love it. All right. Uh let's jump on to another question here. And this is kind of similar. Uh so this is a question from Matt that asks about uh best fourth quarter players. Uh, so who are your favorite fourth quarter players, guys that may have underperformed during the first three quarters, but have performed well over the last quarter of the season? Uh, that would be great draft steals going into next season. So I guess if you've got people kind of looking at their overall body of work, maybe it may not be quite as impressive or there may, you know, be some concerns, but that have really turned it on here towards the end of the season and deserve to be, you know, uh, maybe drafted higher than they were or higher than their kind of full season body of work looks. I, I will say I'm a little hesitant because I feel like the players who turned it on in the fourth quarter are the ones that kind of stick with people. And, and maybe you're more likely to remember a player who did well in the fourth quarter as opposed to having a great first three quarters and then kind of dropping off. Just something to, to consider. Yeah. I actually, I, that's kind of where my head goes with questions like these is because I don't know. I, I find that. This time of year, I get really f- narrow focused on my own rosters and and the waiver wire and who's available and how I'm going to like use my my remaining four moves a week to maximize my performance and hopefully win a, a championship. And so I tend to not really be as tuned into some of the late season out like breakouts that uh, that others start to get invested in. Um, at this time of the year. And then I, the summer hits and people are like going on and on ranting and raving about this player who I, I really haven't hadn't sort of clocked uh, their hot streak. And then they tend to go much higher in drafts than I feel comfortable drafting them. And I do feel like I do feel like that that late season heater is not not the best way to judge uh, a, the quality of a player. I think that there are a number of players who have kind of had that reputation, though. I think Kevin Fiala is one, uh, maybe not a fourth quarter, but a second half player for sure. I know Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been that guy in the past, though it's not really quite the same for him this year. 
this season, I, I kind of feel like Robert Thomas is the answer that mm. I uh, is a player who is definitely moving up my draft board as the season moves on. And I, I see now that he's at a point per game pace finally after his most recent hot streak. So Robert Thomas is my answer for this year, a player who I'm I'm looking at a little bit. You know, the uh, like a cartoon character where their eyes turn into like uh, dinner plates because they're 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 uh, enticed by what they're looking at. Those Robert Thomas numbers, they pop. They do. That's a really interesting one. I was sort of thinking about um, like Thomas versus Kairou and who I might be able to draft next season. And I wonder if, you know, Thomas has been great, obviously, with scoring and he's been been shooting more, certainly, um, than we saw during kind of the earlier part of the season when he was mostly being a distributor. Um, but I wonder if you could get Kairou for a little cheaper than Thomas and he might be a bit more reliable if uh, you counting things like shots and, and some of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think those are going to be two really interesting players to watch heading into next season. I had two thoughts and they're both, I don't know if they fit so well because they didn't necessarily underperform the first parts of the season. They just didn't have opportunity in the first three quarters of the season. But uh, Alex Tuck, obviously, getting to emerge in Buffalo has been a a revelation. And I have to admit, you know, I heard a lot of people kind of talking about, you know, uh, the value of this return for for Buffalo. And I was kind of skeptical. I, you know, Tuck obviously had had some fantasy relevance, but he had seemed kind of buried in in Vegas. And, you know, even at times where it seemed like there was room maybe to move up the lineup a little more than he was able to. Um, but obviously now that he's been healthy and is getting primo deploymento in Buffalo, I think he's been really outstanding and that, uh, if people are, are looking at his overall stats rather than, you know, stats, you know, points per game and that sort of thing, he might be overlooked when in fact he's going to be a really nice option for Buffalo. Um, and then another guy I thought of was Anton Forsberg, who obviously was not the starting goalie for the Suns to begin the season, um, but has just been outstanding. I think something like 17 straight games without having a game under 900 save percentage. Um, and, you know, obviously goalies are very volatile, um, but he signed a contract extension. And I think he has a decent shot at being uh, the Suns starter, getting at least the bulk of Suns starts. Uh, next season and another guy who you know the wins maybe won't stand out so much or the total saves uh, or if you're in a points league the the points totals won't necessarily be there Um, but I think the value could certainly be there I uh, you're talking about (laughs) Forrest I'm making the weirdest noises right now I sound like a gremlin Um, Alex Tuck to me is a player who's so interesting because I always liked him in Vegas as like a guy who can pop if you move him up at the move him up the lineup, uh, goes to Buffalo and outperforms even my expectations and falls off a little bit in the middle and now has res- uh, is resurging uh, towards the end of this year. And you look at the advanced stats, they look a little bit a little bit sketchy on the secondary assist rates and and on the on ice shooting percentage but at the same time like like you said this is the first opportunity he's ever had so is it a more repeatable um underlying number that we could see that sustain even though they they don't really match up with his vegas numbers where he was in the bottom six it's really hard to say. So I think that Tuck is an interesting one. Forsberg is is very bizarre to me because I remember him as being like just god awful the year before, and it's like goaltenders. I I don't trust any of them. So I'm not as excited on Forsberg. I will definitely be looking for Alex Tuck next year if I can get him at a, a discount, though. One more question here, Lewis, and then we are going to wrap it up for short shifts, Blenwith style, season three. 
this one comes from our good pal, Elon, king of the long shift. So, you know, we had to answer him on this, the longest shift of all time. What have you learned doing the podcast this year, be it fantasy hockey or podcasting related? I, uh, I'll i be honest with you, Lewis. I did not prep an answer for this, and I, I figured I'd wing it. So I'm curious to hear what you have. All right. Well, uh, you know, in keeping with, with your last It sounds statement, like you are actually not one of the things that, <laughs> No, I, I do have something to say here. It just is, is kind of related to what you were going to bring up. I'm not, I'm not winging it as much. But okay. uh, actually, I do think that one of the things I'm trying to work on for myself certainly is, you know, I love to prep. It helps me feel confident. Um, but I don't think that I, I think sometimes I get sucked into talking about my prep a little bit, like the stuff that I have prepped in kind of a different way than, than when I'm sort of more loosely just sort of chatting with you. So that's definitely been something, uh, I'm trying to work towards. And, and we got a ton of great feedback from folks who love the kind of looser, uh, shows that we we're putting together towards the end of the season. So, uh, hopefully this show, which has certainly been pretty loose, uh, has been something that you have enjoyed. Fantasy hockey related, um, you know, this was my first, this was the most kind of studs and duds type of draft that I've had before. Um, you know, obviously when you're snake drafting, it's not really such a thing, but at an auction draft, you can really do it. And I have been more inclined to sort of spread my money out. I actually think I like the studs and duds approach. Um, and I think I will probably try to repeat it next season, uh, for the auction and I'll be able to draft for myself. So that'll be nice as well. Uh, but. You know, just being able to move maybe a little quicker. I, I had faith in my team. I don't, never lost faith in the quality of my team. And I'm glad I didn't because I hung in there and was able to, to hold on to a spot in tier one. But, you know, I got to be able to take some lumps, I think, early on, uh, and, and persevere and be able to climb back into the ring. Um, because there were definitely some low times during the season, especially, uh, very rough start going 0 and 3 with, like a 4.5 total points causing two of those losses. So uh, it did give me time to kind of build back, and I followed through with my strategy. I figure spend big money at the start. Eventually, those waiver wire players will be able to reinforce the roster, and things will be all right. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely tough going at the beginning. But now that I've done it once before, um, I'm feeling more confident at being able to replicate some of the success and maybe avoid some of the the lower parts. That's very interesting. I um yeah, I think on the fantasy hockey side, I, I definitely um this was a interesting season, I think, because the year before was so quick and there were so many moves that you just kind of had to make way sooner with less information than you would normally have to make getting ready for the playoffs. Usually we have, you know, four months before we even hit playoff stretch, but last year was I think what like 12 weeks of the regular season so it was almost the almost the entire season was playoff drive um so that that's one thing I definitely am looking forward to coming back next year and um and on the podcast side of things just uh continuing to work on that I uh I don't feel like I've really learned anything that stands out or or that is interesting to chat about on mic about the podcast this year um, but I've definitely had a lot of fun doing it. I think in terms of fantasy, uh, for me, what I've learned is if I could, uh, quote the wickedly talented Dina Menzel, um, letting it go, the art of letting it go is, is massive. And I've just had such a frustrating season in the cupful, um, between the Kucherov injury and trading for Drake Batherson the day before he got knocked out for several months 
and uh, getting smacked with COVID and uh, starting the season like one and seven without Kucherov. And then Kucherov comes back and I go on a massive winning streak and all of a sudden I'm back in it. And then uh, I go on a, a minor losing streak and just off two losses, it's basically over. And that like emotional roller coaster was a little intense in a way that it just like... I don't know if I'm I just don't know if I I really care enough to be that invested. Is that am I being a, a heretic right now is that am, am I speaking no, heresy I, when I say this? I I hear where you're coming from as someone who is also extremely competitive about playing fantasy hockey. Um I really feel like I I I understand where you're coming from because I I think I let fantasy get the best of me at times during this year. Um in uh in our like in our joint league uh, i had victor olafson all uh last week and uh i left him benched and he got a goal and an assist and i was like getting way over stressed about it um and <laughs> right. like these are the things that i like you said you just got to be able to kind of let them go and, and roll with the punches a little bit better uh, i think that obsessiveness is part of the reason why you know we've had some decent successes in our fantasy hockey careers. But I think the trade-off sometimes like the, what is the opportunity cost of me obsessing over having accidentally left Victor Olofsson on the bench because I switched my IR guys too many times and stupid Yahoo reset my, my lines, right? Like how, how much am I going to allow that to like damage my psyche? Like that's a choice. So I think, yeah, I think choosing, I think, I think what we're really saying is next year, we're going to give a chance to kind of, uh, uh, make a choice to, to, uh, preserve our mental health a little better, maybe at the cost of a bit of our competitive nature, but I don't think it costs you like, I don't think it's going to make you change the way you play the game. It's like not freaking out about the things that are out of your control. Yeah. Like, I think that, I think that to expand on that a little bit, it's like, if you obsess about the game enough, you can start to put like your self perception into your results of the game mm. a little bit where it's like, I'm good at this or I'm bad at this. And the game is a game and it's also very random. Like it is basically dice rolls, like a series of thousands and thousands and thousands of dice rolls. And the outcome is not always going to be determined by who is better and i'm using i'm using air quotes here because i i just like it's just not healthy to to think about it in like a way that like it impacts your self-esteem i guess getting like the highs and lows i'm just i want to even out the lows a little bit and (laughs) and appreciate because i mean we've talked about this in the past but it's like you go hard all year you pull out the win and then it's just over. Like, no, it's not like you, you you appreciate it enough given the amount of time and energy you put into it. So I want to uh, I want to be more conscious with the energy that I expend into fantasy. I'm definitely not saying that I I don't care about fantasy as much as it's just uh, wanting to be yeah wanting to be careful about the the energy expense. 
Yeah, and and just sort of, I'm trying to keep in my mind too, like the the real benefit of of being a fantasy hockey player has been getting to be part of this great community mm-hmm. and getting to to come on air and share my opinions, and hopefully they help people be more successful at a game that we share and enjoy. So I think that side of things uh, is is where the focus should really be, and I love being in the Discord. I'm looking forward so much to the off season, uh, or by the way, uh, gearing up for with some excitement for the um, playoff uh, pool which in the Keeping Carlson League is really great. Like it's divided up and you get to, uh, you know, um, you draft against other players and you get to keep players from round to round. And it's just a, it's a really cool method that I haven't seen kind of replicated anywhere else. So I think that's going to be really fun and shameless plug. Uh, not that we get anything from patronage, but uh, you can <laughs> become a patron for a buck and, and do the playoff pool. And it's probably the best play. It's the best playoff pool I've ever been part of. And I think you'll really enjoy it if you come and play. Absolutely. Uh, Thank everyone for listening to the shows this season. I had a blast doing it. Um, I know that last year when we totaled it up, there were a hundred thousand downloads of short shifts episodes. I'm really curious to see, or it might've been like 99,000 or something, but you know what I mean? Like right around that six digit mark. I'm really excited to, to look at those stats and, and just to, I it's hard to when you're talking into the microphone it's hard to really appreciate that thousands of people hear the things that come out of our mouths but um I do really really appreciate everybody for listening and for interacting with us and and joking around with us and um and sending us nice messages you know just I had a really fun time and and Lewis thank you so much for for joining me on the on another season we're we're 3 years deep on this and I almost brought this up earlier. I forgot to mention it, but I've said this to a few people um, who were surprised to learn it. We have no prior relationship. Like the show <laughs> is our friendship. And uh, so it's been nice to to build that and to sort of, uh, yeah, it feels like we're friends now. And it's it's been really nice to work with you and, and to have that build over the years. Absolutely. A total pleasure. I, you know, uh, when you and Jade reached out to me, what, three and a half years ago to mm-hmm. kind of, uh, talk about doing some like jokey comedy newsletter for the cupful, who knew where it would lead us to. So, uh, yeah, it's just been a blast. Absolutely. Thanks everybody, um, for listening and for supporting the show and for making it possible for us to do this. Uh, hopefully, uh, you got something out of it and looking forward to doing it all summer and, and all over again come October. Uh, But in the meantime, I suppose if you want to toss us a follow for some fun off-season content at Short Shifts KK, uh, you can, of course, find Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson, Dave Benton of the Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Check out uh, GameDayTweets.com, where you'll find everything for at GameDayLines, at GameDayGoalies, and at GameDayNews. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, and it may be a minute, at least in this sort of iteration of our podcast, but until we see you then, play smart and keep your shifts short.